0: I have a lot of ideas. Like, if I'll talk to someone and then they'll be like, they'll tell me like one thing about their business. And then I'm like, it's like the floodgates open on my, on like all the ideas I have. And I'm like, I wish I could get all this information down on paper. (laughs) It's happening too fast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45 and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. All right, I'd like to share with you this review from a listener named Shanna Winks on the Apple Podcast platform. It's entitled, wow, so many answers to all the questions. I have recently had my eyes open to the world of what ADHD is. And although I don't have my official diagnosis, I'm 100% positive I have it. Your podcast is so full of value and revelation from women who truly are just like me. I can't get enough. Thank you for helping me feel finally seen. Well, thank you, Shanna Winks. I'm so glad you found the podcast and that it's been so helpful as you learn more about ADHD and what it looks like in women and those of us socialized as girls. So thank you sincerely for taking the time to write this lovely feedback. Okay, here we are at episode 113, in which I interview Marissa Gonzalez. Marissa is a visual brand strategist from Kansas She reached out to me because she started listening to this podcast after her ADHD diagnosis and these interviews and conversations were life-changing for her. So she wanted to help out and give back by sharing her diagnosis story. We talk about her experience with depression and anxiety prior to her diagnosis and how it was her therapist who helped her understand that it might actually be ADHD. And we also talk about her multiple career changes over the years and her journey to self-employment and self-acceptance. And we talk about creative genius and how this diagnosis has helped her to lean into her strengths and learn to love her ADHD brain. Enjoy. Marissa, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to hear your story. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank
0: you. I'm excited to do this.
1: Yeah. Some of my favorite guests are guests who have listened to the podcast and reach out and want to tell their story. Kind of they're inspired by this whole process. And I feel like it's very cathartic to kind of have that full circle moment. How recently were you diagnosed?
0: A year, a year and a half, somewhere around there.
1: Okay. So it was uh, you know, post-pandemic lockdown craziness. I feel like there's like before pandemic and post-pandemic life timelines.
0: I think so. I mean, yeah, it probably was now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it probably was around then.
1: And you were talking to your therapist about some of the symptoms around anxiety or what was happening in your life specifically that brought up this whole conversation that you might look and, you know, start looking into ADHD.
0: Um, I was having a lot of anxiety. I've always been a pretty anxious person. Um, Like all of my life, I can think back now and still see it. But I was also really depressed at the time. And I wasn't really sure why. I mean, I had a lot of things in my mind, but everything was going good overall. But I was just really depressed and I could not figure out why. And it was around like the time of COVID. So I don't know if it's that whole, you know, getting everything shutting down and kind of everything staying in, in, in its place, which... Honestly, at the beginning, I didn't actually mind because I'm very introverted. (laughs) So I was like, oh, yay, we get to, you know, encourage people to stay home. So, you know, (laughs) it was, I liked that. But then after a while, my, you know, I was like, okay, I don't like this as much as I thought I was going to. For me, it was the anxiety and then the depression got worse. And then like at the time, my son was younger, so he was here and I I I was very present, but at the same time, I don't feel like I was appreciative of everything. And um I feel like for me, that was a problem. I didn't like feeling that way around him because I felt like I was going to have him, you know, have these memories of me not being happy with him. And I didn't want that because I'm very much happy with him and being around him. I, I enjoy it. I, it's my favorite time. So I really knew I needed to get help, and I think I'd been knowing that even before COVID, and I just kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, and then finally I was like, you need to go get help. Like, there's no point in trying to suck it up and trying to work it out on your own, because obviously that hasn't helped.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, I feel like that's a theme that something we talk about a lot on this podcast for those so, so many of us are diagnosed with depression and or anxiety before ADHD even surfaces as a concept And, you know, thinking about like, what is it when the depression diagnosis just like never feels like it fits. Right. And I had a very similar experience where I was like, why am I depressed? Like my life is great. I have a wonderful partner. I have healthy children. Like, I don't feel like I have specific reasons in my life to be depressed. And then it's almost like, it's one more thing to be depressed about, which is like, why do I insist on being depressed <laughs> when evidence is to the contrary? And I think it speaks more to this idea of like, that feeling like I feel like a bad partner, I feel like a bad mother, I feel like a bad entrepreneur, like, or, or an employee. like, there's all of these feelings that come back to like, how a lot of this depression comes from feeling like we're hurting the people in our life, or we're bad, you know, and that there's something we're doing wrong.
0: Yes, definitely. That's, you put it very, you put it perfectly. That's exactly like what was going on and the way I was feeling. And
1: yeah. Right. And then it's, so it's sort of like, it's this, you know, really wanting to get to the bottom of it. And why I get so frustrated when I hear women whose therapists have said like, let's deal with the depression first. (laughs) Cause it's like, well, no, there's like there's a reason why I'm sad. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that depression is always a misdiagnosis, but I think there's just so much more happening under the surface that needs to be addressed. Um, okay. So was it your therapist who suggested ADHD or? Yes. Um, uh, when I was talking
0: to her one day, well, around that time of that, I, that was kind of when everything was like talking, you know, when more women were talking about ADHD and all that stuff. So I kind of heard about it, but then I was talking to her and I was like, you know, saying like, you know, I don't know why I've always had, you know, the anxiety, I've always had kind of that depression. And then I was just naming off other symptoms. And, and so she was like, well, maybe, you know, based on how you're, what you're seeing, it, can, you may have um, ADHD, but she's like, I would go to, I think recommended like the ADHD questionnaire. I can't remember the, from the site. She's like, you should go to that and see how you, how you do. And then, you know, you know, she's like, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to just, you know fill out the questionnaire and then they'll let you know based on your results, like where you are at. And when I took the test, I was like, all these questions were like totally resonating with me. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is scary. But at the same time, this is good. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of that mixed, mixed bag of feelings. And then when I got my results, they were like through the roof. And I was like, Oh, you know, I did great on a, on a test, but not the test that I was <laughs> thinking that I would do good on, you know, type of thing. So, but I just kind of stared at it honestly for a while and I was like, wow, this is not what I was expected. But at the same time, it was like, it felt, it felt right. Like it, I don't know. I, like I said, I had to sit there and just kind of think, okay, this is all this time that I've been having these experiences in my life or this feelings in my head of like, why this or, you know, whatever, then this like confirmed it for me. Like, okay, this, this whole time has been an issue or my issue or, you know, that type of thing.
1: Right? Yeah, I think that speaks to so many of our experiences having that, that visceral reaction to a diagnosis of ADHD, where you're just like, it's a pretty good sign that you're on the right path when you have that, like, oh, my God, this is this feels like the answer to so much, right? And that it speaks to that Feeling like something was off, you know that that something was missing, and and that this could actually be the answer, and how important it is for us to have that that identity, that label, that diagnosis, because I think that's another thing, especially with therapists, that sometimes they would have, uh, they might be reluctant to pathologize some of the issues in terms of depression and anxiety, where they might be like, you know, want to like hold off on, on di- the diagnosis of ADHD. Whereas I feel like for our experience, it's so important, that label is so important, because it does, it feels like it's the answer, right?
0: Yes, definitely. And well, the good thing, too, is like my my therapist, um, when I like I interviewed two different therapists and um, I went with the one I'm, I'm currently with and she's amazing. And really the reason I went with her is just because she did make me feel like anything I said or anything I did was, she wasn't judging me. She really did want to help me. And so whenever I talked to her about the ADHD thing, she was like very open and very, like very supportive. And then when she was like, you know, after I got my, my answer or my quiz, she was saying like, you should go talk to your psychiatrist. And I talked to my psychiatrist about it. And, and my psychiatrist was like, yeah, I think based on this and a lot of your other stuff, she's like, pretty sure you have that. So we went from there.
1: Yeah. I think that's another thing that is important for when you're seeking the right therapy relationship too, is how do you feel heard? Right. And if you have somebody who's like, no, I don't think that's it. I think it's this. (laughs) You're like, that's probably a red flag. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I'm thankfully
0: I didn't run into that. And I think it's honestly because of your show and then other things I've seen on, on, on the internet about, you know, their therapist not recognizing the issue and not letting them talk about it. Like that was like, to me, like, Oh my God, I would, I hope to God it never happens to me because you're already dealing with enough stuff. And then when you're having your own therapist tell you, no, I think you're wrong. You're like, okay, I think I know myself pretty well. So yeah, I, that would have been traumatic.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, talk about yeah, or even just going to a, the a doctor's appointment, right? And and having that fifteen minutes where you're just like you feel so rushed and so dismissed at the best of times, right? Yes, uh, right. And to have so many times, so many women who like had that experience where the doctor's like, no, no, no. Everybody thinks they have ADHD nowadays. Don't be ridiculous. Um, and you're like, oh God, um, you know, if if you even talk about a doctor's appointment as a traumatic experience, then that's a pretty good sign that you might want to look into to ADHD, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Once you did the self-test and really started connecting the dots, what were some of the things that you looked back on over the course of your life where you were like, oh, right, the signs were there all along?
0: Well, I know like in grade school, I had um, a speech therapist come and to this day, I I can't really remember bits and pieces of it. I I only remember bits and pieces of it, but she remember her coming to my classroom, taking me out of the classroom. And then us going over stuff, but I don't remember what, I remember, I know I didn't care for her and I don't really know why I didn't care for her. I don't know. because she was pulling me out of class. So it brings that, you know, that extra attention to you of why are they getting out of class type of thing? Or if it's just something, I'm not sure. I really wish that I remembered why I did not like that whole situation, or maybe it wasn't explained to me. And that that whole, like, why am I, why is this happening type of thing made me, you know confused, and obviously I felt upset about it, so that right there was like I said, like in elementary school, and then throughout high school or even through middle school, I feel like I didn't get a good foundation of some stuff, so it made me not by not having that foundation, it made me feel like I was building like a house on sand, basically like there's a lot of disconnects disconnections between various things and the subjects of like um well, especially math. I just liked it. Like I liked, I'm good with arithmetic, but all the other like geometry, all this other stuff. I'm like, no, thank you. So when I went through high school, I was very much, I would say probably on the rebellious side of that. Cause I was not wanting to participate in the things that I, that didn't interest me like math. And I loved science. Oh my God. I love science. Thankfully I had some great teachers that were, they recognized that, yes, it took me a little while longer to learn it, but they recognized that I really wanted to know it. So that that's something I think the other thing though, too, is what, okay. So I've had multiple careers. So when I switched careers, I went into physical therapy and when I was taking my courses, that was challenging because you're learning about the body. You're learning about all these different things, how, how the body works. And I feel like whenever I would go take a test, that was for me like a challenge because I would know the answers, but when I took the test, it was like, I would go blank and it took me so much longer to finish those tests. And so I wouldn't end up passing them because it would take me, you know, I'd be focusing on this one question for like five minutes. And then if I had a question about the the quiz question or the test question, my teacher was not very helpful with that. I feel like he was almost very, he had tricky questions. Like there were like, you could have been read either way. Like it was like a double negative type of question. And when I'd ask him for clarification, he was not helpful at all. So I just felt like that whole time I was struggling and they, but my professor saw it and they actually had me had a talk with me and they're like, you need to go have testing accommodations done. Cause we think we, you know, the information, it just takes you a lot longer to to complete the test. So when I went to a therapist to get tested, he was like, yeah, you have like a comprehension type of disability. So I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you accommodations for your classes to have that extra time to take your tests. So for me, that was very helpful. Cause then after that, I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, like it, it really gave me that confidence. Cause I'm, I was so stressed at that time. I, I mean, like I was losing weight like crazy. Cause I was just like, I didn't want to eat. To me, that was like a traumatic time because I was like, didn't know what was going on. I wanted to learn it. But the more I wanted to learn it, the less my brain was like, Hey, let's sit down and read this. Cause my brain was like, let's go clean. <laughs> Instead, because that's more, you know, that's something that you're actually doing. Whereas if you're sitting down and reading, I don't really want to do this, you know, I'd rather do something else. So it was, I think, a combination of that, like not wanting to read the information that I really wanted to know, but just the whole aspect of sitting down and reading it. And then also taking a long time with my tests um, really helped me determine, like, okay, I could have seen this this whole time. I just didn't know what it was or what was going on.
1: Right? I, I totally relate to that idea of like, I love learning, but just don't ask me to explain it back to you. <laughs> and, and I've t- we've talked about this, it was one of my guests, uh, who called it like stuck on input, right? This idea of just like, uh, it's the processing of the information that is the difficult thing, right? And it's also it it's also depends on on the testing style and all of that. And it's so fascinating to learn that you were told that you had like some kind of comprehension learning disability, right? Because I sort of have always felt like when I was growing up, I always felt like I had some kind of learning disability because I couldn't understand where I was like, I've been to all the classes, I've done all the reading, I'm in the discussion, I'm doing everything right. And then I sit down to the test. And it's like that moment of panic of just like, I don't know the answer. What was this even something we covered? Like just totally panicking. Or, or that feeling, like you said, like, why wasn't this explained to me? in the way that I need it. Right. But not even really being able to articulate like what you needed in that moment. I think that's super relatable. I also like when you were talking about the childhood where you were like, uh, I didn't know if I. You're like I had the speech therapist, and I can't tell you anything about the experience. I could just tell you I didn't like the, <laughs> the therapist, which I think is very relatable too, right? Like I feel like with books and stuff, like I'll have read a book, I can't tell you anything about the book or a movie, but I can just tell you if I liked it or not. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Honestly, I mean, actually, whenever as of. I'm becoming more and more like that. Like when I was younger, I was like, I could name off like every detail of a movie. And then now I don't know if it's because my attention span is
1: (laughs) kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. And I'm like, I don't know if I've seen that movie. And my husband will be like, yes, you have. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay."
1: (laughs) I know. Right. I feel like that. I don't know if it's kids or aging or, you know, my working memory has gone off a cliff and I had this similar, you know, I, there's a lot that I was fascinated with when I was younger that I could have told you uh, you know, all the details about. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. I just don't have it. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know, I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H E L P, dot com slash women ADHD and there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode: Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids six through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey, while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply. Renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled.
2: This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, That's twenty percent off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code Staple Twenty.
1: Now, one of the things I thought was like had ADHD written all over it was I was reading an interview that was a, a, it was a, like a Kansas City magazine interview where you had said when you were, were going to school, where you were like, my heart was torn between either design or being a, a surgical technician. <laughs> and I was like, only somebody with ADHD could could have those two things be, be see sort of similar passions, right? And be like, I could do either one of those. And, and how can I possibly choose? It just, it was, it made me laugh because I was like, oh yeah, the signs were there all along. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I and actually, now that you say that, that is true. I didn't even think of it like that. So yeah,
1: mm-hmm. those
0: are very, two very different things. But at the same time, I'm like, which one do I go through or do, you know, that type of thing.
1: Right? Yeah. Okay. So, so you chose Design, but then you, after a while, decided to go back to school to become a physical therapy assistant, right? And then you did that for a couple years, and then you were burnout. It was burnout, but also you were having like stress and what was going on there.
0: Um, well, really, it was. It was probably mostly burnout. I remember being in there. I was working in the clinic with um, the geriatric population, and I loved it. But at the same time, I would come home. And the patients that I could not help really stuck out in my mind more. And I would just like be like going over it in my head over like during the night, like, okay, you know, how can I help this patient? in in a different way that, you know, like sometimes it was a financial way. And I'm like, I know I can't give my money away to everybody. Cause then, <laughs> then we're not going to be able to, to, you know, pay our own bills type of thing. But it really, for me, was not being able to, Check, you know, check that part of my, my work at the door type of thing. Like I can't, I couldn't leave it at work. And I know so many people that were able to do that. And I was always just like so fascinated by that because I could not step out of that. Like I kind of brought it home with me. And at the time I didn't realize it, it really wasn't fair to my husband. Cause I'd be like, preoccupied with those thoughts of like, okay, how can I do this? How can I do that? Or whatever. And, um, and then after I, we had our son, I knew I really couldn't do that. Cause it's just, you know, that's a whole different, a whole different experience there. And so at that time, I, a lot of things were kind of happening all at once. Like one of my patients that I had been treating, he, I'd been treating him over like several years or a couple of years really and he kept coming back whenever he came back he requested for me to be his therapist and I adored him he unfortunately he had a an accident and he passed away suddenly and it was like in that moment i, I don't know it tore me open really i mean like i was like but at that time i was already kind of getting down to the end of my my line so to speak of of therapy or the whole experience so after he passed away and i was actually pregnant at the time it really kind of changed everything and how I saw everything. I don't know. It was very, and I didn't understand why it was happening. And then shortly after that, my, my aunt, who I was really close to, she passed away suddenly. And that was like the, the nail in the coffin. I mean, not, I'm not trying to be funny about it. It's just like, that's for me how it was like she, after she passed away, that was really hard for me. And thankfully at the time, my, my boss, when I was working in the clinic was very understanding. But I think after that, that just kind of took the the wind out of me and I wasn't able to kind of go back to it. I think also too, that after I had my son, I had, I didn't know I had uh PMDD, but yeah, I was suffering from depression from all the hormones I was experiencing. I th- and I didn't know that until several months later when I went to the doctor and they took, they took a quiz I took a quiz on there and they're like, yeah, you're really depressed. And I couldn't stop crying. And so around that time, I was just like, I wanted to be around my son more because when I worked in the Medicare system and when you're working with Medicare or even Medicaid, really, like, you're always there. And like, you're, you know, even for holidays and stuff. And I'm like, my husband and I struggled to have a child for like three years because I had PCOS. We tried so hard to get him here and then I'm not going to be able to see him. I'm like, that to me was not something that I felt okay with. So I, all of those kind of combination of everything kind of put me into where I'm like, I was getting burned out. Like each thing was kind of another punch to the face type of thing. Like I can't take it anymore. Of like in doing this, yes, I love it. But at that, by that point, it wasn't like a love It was something I had to do. What I knew at that moment, like I, if I have to do it, I don't want to do it. Cause that means that it's taken like that compassion and everything that I love about helping people. It's taking it out of that. And I don't want to be one of those people where they're doing a job, but you can tell they hate it. And I did not want that at all. I, when I worked with people, I want them to know that I'm truly there for them. And that I love what I'm doing. And I didn't want them to see that other side of, I'm just doing this as a job. That's not what I ever wanted for anyone to experience. Cause that really affects the treatment of everything. So my, and actually before my aunt passed away, she could kind of tell that I was getting burned out but I didn't really know the way out. So she was like, you should go back to doing design. You know, you should go back, you know, and I, you know, she's like, you're really talented. You should do it. She's always trying to find ways for me to, to help her with her designs or my uncle. He was, he had thinking about doing a consultation type of business. And she's like, you should create a logo for him. I mean, she was always trying to get me to do all these things. And I'd always be like, no, no, you know, I'm not a designer anymore. I don't do that anymore. I was always just like pushing those ideas away. And I think really it's just because I was scared. And after she passed away, like I said, it rocked my world. And it, I don't know, her her passing made me feel like, okay, I need to do something with my life. Like I'm burned out with this. I still, you know, I still want to work. I still need to work. And so I went back to design and I started doing that kind of, I don't know, I guess now I kind of think of it maybe as a no to her as far as like, hey, I'm doing this. Let's see where it goes. And I really enjoyed it. And at that time, I was just trying to dabble in it again because I wasn't sure if it was something I wanted to do. And so I was creating people's logos and stuff like that. But then after a while, when I was, I ended up going to a different company and I was actually in an office. So I was thinking it was going to be less demanding and it was not. And so I started really amping up my business then because I was like, I can't, I don't want to work at this place anymore. And um, and it was a mutual feeling, I think, between my, my, my ex-employer and myself. And so I, when I left, I was like, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go full-time in my business, which worked out because I was, you know, kind of getting more, more clients at that time. So I just jumped right in and started my business. And, but it was all, it took all these other things to push me into doing that. Cause I don't think if, if uh, these other things would have happened, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing. I think it would have taken a lot more and thankfully it didn't need <laughs> it. Thankfully nothing else had to happen, but those were kind of like those factors that really pushed me into what I'm doing now. And then with this, i it's, it's provided more flexibility.
1: It's kind of a double-edged sword. Think about like so many neurodivergent people, especially women are driven by social justice, right, or driven by doing the right thing, and end up in careers like social work or, you know, compassionate care careers. And then you end up with compassion fatigue, where it's like, my life is suffering as a result of helping others. And like, what do you do with that? Like, you know, and as you were talking, I was thinking about this idea of like compartmentalization, right? And, and how, We have a difficulty with filtering information, right? We have a difficulty with prioritizing. We have a difficulty deciding which tasks are important and which aren't. So it makes sense that that would also happen when it comes to emotions and compartmentalizing emotions and like they all happen at once and we feel things so deeply and so much like you said, how are people able to compartmentalize in that way? What are some of those skills that need to be like explicitly taught, you know, especially in schooling, you know, when, it, when you're being trained for these positions, because I think they talk about like compassion fatigue and they talk about burnout as, you know, and, and this idea of like gut, you know, make sure you have you understand the, see the signs and make sure you get rest and make sure you get exercise. But like, that's not working for a lot of people. Like, I think we need a different approach. And I had that same experience with volunteerism, which was like, I was a chronic volunteer and it burned me out because I was just like, I couldn't volunteer without giving everything. And at some point I had to just turn off the floodgates and just be like, for my own sake, I cannot volunteer because I know where this leads. But as a, at the same time, I feel like a terrible human being because I'm like, who says no to helping people? Like, <laughs> how can I live with myself by when somebody asks me for help and I say no? <laughs> but I'm like, until I can figure out how to have balance around volunteerism, I cannot at this point in my life do it. I will write you a check. That's all I can do. But I think it comes down to that idea of like, like you said, like compartmentalization and just filtering. How do we do that? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> other than just like you said, like having to kind of step away and and say, I have to do something else that is not going to be taxing and hope that the people who can compartmentalize are able to to be in this field as well <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and you're right, they don't teach that in school and and one thing i, I I've noticed especially with the medical field which maybe with this with covid maybe that will help but i don't i doubt it though unfortunately but it is very much like yes you you are in the healthcare system but you are um you're just like someone else working like in an office type of thing like they don't take into consideration all the people that you're trying to help the ramifications of those people that are you know the, the feelings that you get from either helping someone or not being able to help someone that does create the emotional load and the, i don't feel like the medical system is doing Right by the people that are helping those other people. Like, it's just like, you can't, you know, with that whole saying, you can't help someone or you can't care for someone if your cup is empty, you know, and in the medical field, they don't really think of it like that. And actually at the when I was trying to, when I was working in the clinic, I was trying to go part time so I could still do what I loved, but at the same time, have less time there so it could let me like rest. And it just wasn't an option. So I feel like. They really. I hope. I hope that they change the way the medical system is, as far as, you know, like you're right that the whole passion fatigue is very much of an issue, and um, if you're not gonna, if you want to keep your employees, you know, doctors, therapists, nurses, everything, they need to find a, a better solution for that because otherwise, they're gonna keep dealing with high turnover because people are getting burned out. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, even the narrative is just like it's a badge of honor to. Work yourself to the ground, right? Like it, you know. It's and and even on a lesser, you know, not even just in daily life. I think there's we, you know, this is something I talk about a lot with women on this podcast too, which is just this idea. Like, as a woman, we are socialized to put ourselves last and to put everybody else before us, and to be likable and to be behave and all of these things that sort of work in direct opposition to our mental health. And you know, and kind of seeing that connection too, which is like in care professions, like the harder you work and the worse you treat yourself, it's like the better you are at that job. Mm -hmm. So moving back to design and kind of getting back into that field, what is it you would say about your ADHD that your since your diagnosis that you feel like has really contributed to to your work or just, you know, what do you love about your ADHD?
0: Um I like I really like that um I have a lot of ideas. Like if I'll talk to someone and then they'll be like, they'll tell me like one thing about their business. And then I'm like, it's like the floodgates open on my, on like all the ideas I have. And I'm like, I wish I could get all this information down on paper. (laughs) It's happening too fast. I can't, you know, so I'm like trying to think of like, take one out of there and be like, okay, remember this one or remember this one. And then if we go on and talk about something else, it's gone. So um, I like the creativity aspect of it. I do like that, you know, there's a lot of things that when I do want to learn about something, I really go, you know, I dive deep and then, you know, who knows when, how long it's going to take for me to get out of that whole (laughs) research mode. But I think I like that both of them because they kind of work off of each other. Cause I, like you said before, like I, you like to learn, I love learning too. And it's just like, for me, it's like electrifying for me to learn something new or something that's really interesting to me. So I think whenever I am learning something and then I'm able to create what I've learned or at least based on that perspective of it, to me, that's like the best feeling of it. And then being able to kind of hopefully strategize like how I'm, this person needs this, something like that, you know, then I can kind of go from there and kind of create like that timeline, if you will, of like how things are gonna happen with their business strategy or their branding strategy, more like it. Like, like I, for me, it's just like a, it's a great experience. And then honestly, whenever I talk to clients, it's very much of like, they talk about something and I can like, I can see it like in my mind's eye. Like, I don't know if a lot of people have that feeling, but like I, I do. And it's whenever I, I see that it's like, it's very exciting to me. So I don't know if I've heard a lot of people say that. So I feel like when, that is one thing I really feel like I have.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it, it's almost like seeing the seeing everything, all the steps all at once. Yeah. Well, how do you even describe that? It's like a mental mind map of the present and future all at once. And yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I feel like I get it for other people, but not for myself. For myself, my whole life is a chaotic mess (laughs) uh, when it comes to what's, what is the next step. Um, But often, you know, I feel like we do talk about that a lot of just like, you know, or even, you know, I feel like it that plays in so many different realms of our lives. Like, you know, sometimes when I have like the same argument with my husband over and over and over again, where it's like, you just, let's just skip steps one through 12 and get to step 13. Cause we all know where this is going to land. Right. <laughs> or you like, see the writing on the wall so early on in situations from like, is that an ADHD thing? What's happening there? If it is, that's really interesting. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The Lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the adhdlounge.com. Again, that's the And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the adhdlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyperfocus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD in women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy to access, self-guided and self-paced course, so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens and it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womenandadhdcom coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me, so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one coaching is right for you. Again, that's women and ADHD.com slash coaching. And you can find that link in the episode show notes. How would you say your outlook on, on yourself uh, has changed since your diagnosis in terms of parenting or working? Or I mean, you're self-employed, so that's like a whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes. I feel like, it. well, okay, I get, I get, with anyone that's self-employed, you know, they're going to struggle with various things. And then, you know, the whole confidence thing. And I, for me, I've always struggled with confidence and you can ask any of my former bosses. I mean, like I did great work. I just, but then I thought like, oh, you know, I'm not doing good enough. Or, you know, I was always really self-conscious. So now that I'm, I'm working for myself, it is, you know, yeah, I have those thoughts still, but then like I'm trying to reframe them to help me you know, not be stuck in that, that thought process. But really, I think what I've learned most about from being diagnosed is like, is now I'm I'm trying, I'm working on accepting myself and not being so hard on myself. Cause I honestly, before when I had all these troubles with math, you know, even science, even though I loved it, it made me feel like I was, you know, like I was stupid And that was something that I carried with me for a very long time. Like, okay, you know, this person's smarter than me then I must be stupid type of thing. And because I didn't really know a lot of people that were challenged like me, like with learning this or learning that or whatever. And so everyone I saw was like, okay, they're smarter. I'm not that smart. And it has taken me a while to really know that, okay, I am smart. And even my therapist was even saying that the other day. She was just like, You've gone through this your whole life, not knowing that you had ADHD, but she's like, look how far you've come. That wasn't just from learning any, you know, not learning something or learning something. She was like, it's just like your gut, like has brought you here, like your determination. She's like, and that right there is something that you should be proud of. Um, you have to work harder to get stuff done or to do something than someone else who it comes naturally to, as far as, you know, doing whatever she's like, you, you know, that since it takes you a lot longer or it's harder for you to do something, you should be even more proud of yourself because you could say, oh, I don't want to do this and just quit or you, but you keep going. So, I mean, for me, it's about accepting those challenges and trying to work with them as much as I can. And really, I think it's just trying to really accept the things that have happened in the past that I cannot change for better or for worse. But now it's more of like, what can I change now? And what can I help in this instance? I feel like it's just a combination of things. It's like, I am trying to be more accepting. There are things that I still, ch- I still have trouble with, but in the end with like my therapist help and then me trying to really embrace that of making those changes. Cause you know how with an ADHD or you're like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And then you do it for like a day or two and then you go back to your old ways and you're like, uh you know, why is this not working? And it's because you went back to your old ways. And for me, that's, you know, like a struggle of, I want to make these changes. It just takes me longer (laughs) to make these changes because I'm, my mind is wanting to do all this other stuff too. So since being diagnosed, it has helped because it's, it's given, it's allowed me to give myself grace in those moments that I may not be showing up as my best self or that I'm really struggling and being like, you know what, I'm doing the best that I can that's all I can do in this moment.
1: Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no surprise to me that this is uh, that this has been called piece of shit syndrome. Because (laughs) the, you know, I had a similar experience with my therapist where it was like, she was, I think that when our first conversations about ADHD started, and it took years before she of her gently mentioning it to me before I actually looked into it. But like, um, you know, I would, complain to her constantly about how I was getting nothing done and how I was so lazy. And like, I was just so down on myself. And she was always mirroring back to me and being like, how can you talk about yourself like this? Like, all I see from you is like, you started a new business, you wrote a book, you did this, you do like, it's like, you're so you do so much. And yet you come to me. And when when and all you do is talk about yourself, like you're this piece of trash. And I don't know, it just never landed in that way, right? How other people see you hun. and and how so much of this, this concept of like, how can I fix this? How can I solve this problem really starts with that self-acceptance and that grace and having a little bit of patience, which is something we're not really great at, but like <laughs> to realize that like, yeah, there are going to be things I struggle with and there's going to be things I'm great at and that's life, Right. And and how can I kind of see the big picture in a way that sometimes we lose? I remember like doing a journaling exercise with Tasha Post, who, who does ADHD yoga. And part of her monthly membership, she does these guided journaling sessions. And the first time I did one, it was like, okay, sit back and think about all the things you did in this past month. And I was like, are you for real? You want me to list everything I did in the last month? And it was just like, so much like we do so much she was insane and I just was like, all right fine I get what you're I, I see your point here yeah <laughs> I was like if anybody's feeling like they're not getting much accomplished I'm like sit down and start journaling all the things you've done in the last month. That's a
0: great idea. Actually, That that is a great idea. And, and I, actually, I want to do say I do want to say that your podcast has helped me with a lot of the way that when you said that you felt lazy in the past and like that, like, that's how I felt, too. So now I'm I am like, you know what, maybe my brain does need to rest or, you know, I'm not making myself feel like crap because I don't want to do this or that in that moment. You know, I'll do it later on or something like that. Like that has really helped me to to, to speak to myself differently instead of thinking that that negative way about myself.
1: Oh, you're getting me all choked up. Um, because I do. I think about like how it has that kind of self acceptance and that grace has affected like it's affected my marriage. It's affected my parenting. You know, it's just it's. Uh, I'm like seriously getting emotional. Like thinking about how the dominoes fall right in in different directions depending on your sense of self and how this diagnosis has really just opened up so much in terms of like feeling like I'm not a terrible human being. What? <laughs> oh, and one thing you did say, mentioned
0: before about parenting and that knowing this has helped me too, because I know I was raised completely differently, you know, and there's a different generation. And now that I have my own child, I see stuff like whenever he speaks about something, like he's very outspoken, which I love because that's exactly how I was when I was younger. And so there's things I can see the similarities. I mean, he may not even have ADHD, but I can see that and recognize it and approach it differently than my parents did. And then also when I'm talking to my therapist about various things, you know, she'll give me advice about, you know, different things that for me, but then I'll also apply it you know, to my, to my child. And that has, you know, helped tremendously. I feel like with being more understanding of that and like helping with my, my temper, like, I feel like I'm more relaxed in that I'm not like, you know, zero to a hundred and you know, that type of thing. So I, I feel like it it has helped me with, with the diagnosis and with the therapy It has helped me understand myself better. And therefore I can help my son or help someone else better knowing that, you know, my own issues, I guess.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just having that language and, and just kind of understanding what's actually going on. And and then also, like you so said, like having just some more tools in, in your parenting toolbox. <laughs> oh, I'm having such a verklempt moment right now. <laughs> so now, okay, let's talk about your business too, because I want to know, I, I know you are, you work in, you make website design and graphic design and logos and how can people find you and work with you? And so
0: like kind of what you're saying. I'm actually I'm a visual brand strategist. So I I do graphic design. That's actually went to school for graphic design. But then I my focus is more in with like logos or branding, like the whole like fonts, colors, all that, like the feeling of that you want people to get from your from your brand. I do a little bit of like the the strategy of like how you like your voice. But I don't. I'm not a writer or. I can write. It just takes me a long time to write. So I always refer out for the writing part if you're, if the person's struggling with writing. And really, I like, like I said, I like to do the branding and all that. And then I, if the person is able to, but we're like we can explore that more in the website and then really expand their story from their branding to their website. So it's like a two piece thing. But if some people can only do or want to do branding, then that's fine too. Um, I mean, really either one works, but I really, I love that I can work with someone's braining and then go to their website because I feel like you can really see the whole vision of from from their braining to here and then really really get into the storytelling aspect of of who they are and what what they want to do in their business.
1: I love that you use braining as a verb. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I think that's perfect.
0: I, mean, I didn't know what I did, but thank you for. I mean, for reaction, you probably do. So, yeah, I, I see it as a verb but for me all, all the time. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's like a. It's not a verb, but at the same time, it is because you're creating this whole like, feeling behind it. So yeah, I feel like it is. But like I'm on all the socials, you know, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all of them, Facebook, everything like that. So I mean, I'm at www.marissa.g.studios.com and Marissa is spelled M-A-R-I-S-A. A lot of people want to have two S's, and I I don't.
1: I'll have a link in the show notes too if people will just want to go there. But yeah. Actually, I'm just noticing I misspelled your name on my own note page. So I have to be careful of that. <laughs> it happens all the time. So really, it's like... my name is misspelled all the time, too. Yes, um... <laughs> I misspelled your
0: name in the email. And I apologize.
1: <laughs> Oh, right. That's right. Uh, actually, you know, Ie doesn't bother you as much as when I get called Kathy. I don't know why. It, you know, it drives me crazy. And I think I've, I don't know if I have told this story on the podcast before, but I remember like, Talking to my husband when I first met him on like our first date, I was like, I hate the name Kathy. It drives me crazy. I've been called Kathy my whole life. I've never met a good Kathy. <laughs> My mother-in-law's name is Kathy, and he's just sitting there smiling as I'm telling him this whole <laughs> rampage over the name. Ka- I know many lovely Kathies, but it was you know that you just get like you just get carried away, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um. And again, I'm like, why he didn't run in that moment, I'll never know. But here we are. Uh, well, maybe he liked your honesty. You know. He I mean. did, I, obviously, twenty twenty, almost twenty-two years later, we're still together. So uh, he he definitely takes me for all of it. But <laughs> Um, but yes, in terms of uh, spelling, and I will make sure I have those in the show notes. And, and now speaking of spelling, see what I did here. Uh, what if you could name ADHD something else other than that terrible acronym? Would you call it something else?
0: Yes, yeah, I would call it probably like a creative genius. Even though, you know, we're challenged by different things, that I feel like we're good problem solvers that people don't really usually think about. And so I feel like we're, we're really good at that. And since we are really known for our creative side, most of us, I feel like that, yeah, we are creative genius in our own ways.
1: Right? Plus, I think I think creative genius also sort of lends to some of the inevitable chaos that comes with everything, right? You know, of like, you, you picture those images of like all of the different formulas and equations that are always flying through the air. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like that most days.
0: <laughs> yeah, without without that chaos, I feel like, the, it would affect your creativity. So I think it all goes hand in hand.
1: Right. And I think that's another part of, of grace and acceptance that has been really important in, in my own journey, which is like realizing that you take them, you take the good, you take the bad as, as they said on facts of life. Like <laughs> there's some things that, you know, what all the things that make me creative and, and passionate and manic energy and all of that comes with the, the exhaustion and the burnout and some of that stuff The they can't, there is a yin yang relationship there and so it's made it much easier for me to kind of accept some of the the other things that we I've always looked at as deficits and now I'm like no they have, they're functional they have a purpose
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that yeah absolutely that
1: yeah well this has been so lovely thank you so much Marissa it's uh, i loved hearing your story and yeah I think a lot of the stuff that you talked about is going to be deeply relatable so thank you for coming on and sharing
0: well, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate
1: it. And it's an honored to meet you. Aw, thanks. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five star rating, or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one on one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to women and ADHD.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD. And she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.